Hi, and welcome to What the English, the Adult Migrant Learner podcast, where we speak to adult migrant learners about their English language journey and discover the trials and triumphs of learning a new language and assimilating to the Australian way of life. I'm your host, Emma Omran. I would like to begin by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land and pay respects to their elders past and present. I also extend our respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. This episode is a celebration of our students. Pat Marcella and myself have an in-depth discussion about adult literacy, language learning and the classroom. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank the guests who have participated in the podcast to date and shared their stories with us. This is a journey to self-discovery, personal achievement and empowerment. Now for all you lovely podcasters out there, here's Pat and Marcella. Welcome ladies, thank you for joining me in series two of What the English, the Adult Migrant Learner podcast. I have with me today Marcella and Pat, and we're just going to have a bit of a chat about adult literacy and their experiences in the sector. So I'm just going to start with you, Marcella. Can you just tell me a little bit about yourself and your background? Thank you for inviting me, and it's good to see you, Pat. What can I say? I've been uh, teaching over 30 years without revealing my age. Um, That's quite a long time. And I feel fortunate that it's always been in the EAL sector. In fact, when I first started teaching in the primary school, my first class was uh, mostly Vietnamese refugee students. That sort of started my journey as an Mm. EAL teacher. And actually, I should mention that I myself was an EAL student Mm. in that my Parents are both Italian and Italian was spoken at home. It was my first language. And in fact, before I started school, you know, I had very little or minimal English. So I guess that's probably what made me um, want to go into this field. Mm. Yeah, I've forgotten about that, Marcella. Yeah. Uh, Thanks, Marcella. So over to you, Pat. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself and your background? Yeah, so I began teaching as a secondary school teacher and doing a lot of work um, in the English area, English literature, and doing some coordination in secondary schools around English, but moved then into adult education. My first role actually was teaching young people between the ages of 17 and 21 who were living with a disability. That was my first experience teaching adults. And then soon enough, moving into uh, teaching in other adult programs across a couple of different organisations until eventually moving out of teaching and moving into some leadership roles. So staying in adult education for the last, or I'd say, 17 or 18 years and now just working independently, supporting and consulting with adult organisations, delivering language programs, mainly across the west of Melbourne. So, yeah. So, Pat, what was your inspiration in moving into this particular line of work, adult education? I think I've always just gravitated towards teaching. That seemed a natural step for me. But in terms of working with EAL learners and then adult learners, um, I too grew up in a migrant household. 
My parents are from Malta. I was always in a situation where I was trying to support or teach my father how to read and write in English. That was always a re-emerging topic in our household and and I could never quite really support him, probably because of that father-daughter role that sort of didn't really eventuate, you know, really well in terms (laughs) of the teaching Mm -hmm. role between um, him and I, teacher-student role. But I think that's one of the key elements to why I'm interested in this line of teaching, this line of learning, because of that, yeah, personal experience that I have. Mm. I can yeah. really, I can really relate to that. I actually remember my mum coming back from mm. school and talking to me about her teachers. Oh wow! Yeah, and the lessons that they had. And she would tell me about the lessons that she felt that worked well and the ones that she thought didn't Mm. really work too well. Mm. And from what I recall, it was always the hands-on activities Mm. that Mm, um, she felt that she gained more Mm. in having the teacher deliver Mm. a lesson that way where they're active and they're moving. Mm. And as you said, Pat, you know, for me, I know that particularly on my mum's side of the family, they're all teachers. Oh, wow. So I, I feel like I came wow. into this field. It's almost like it's in my blood. Okay. Yes. You know? Yes. So ever yes. since I was five years old, I always said, I yep. want to be That's, a teacher. Yeah. And it just yeah. stuck. Like I just yeah. always wanted to be a teacher. Yeah. But then I think particularly with, you know, growing up with parents who mm. were having to learn English, mm-hmm. another language, and then... Mm. I, I thought to myself, you know what, I wouldn't mind yeah. learning more about this and I want to help them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so also coming from a primary, secondary background, yes. Yeah. Yes. I then decided to go, okay, I want to look into this further. Yeah. And that's how I started yeah. my journey into yeah. adult education. Yeah. Mm. But for me, when I think about the learning experience at home, for example, of, I mentioned my father, one of the key inspirations is that even now to this day, I'm still always in all really of the strategies that he uses mm-hmm. to get through challenges, to, to really do, you know, your everyday activities without being literate in English really. But even as a young person, I always really noticed that, you know, I always um, sought inspiration from that because he worked in a, in a labour force kind of work and just coming home and listening to the ways in which he was able to tackle a problem um, that involved some sort of reading and ri- or writing, some form of communication or, or feedback. And that's what I look at in learners now. I'm always really quite surprised with kind of resources that they have to get around those problems mm-hmm. where they are still learning. Oh, thank you. And I Marcella. think my experience was sort of similar to yours, Emma, in the sense that, you know, no matter the age, um, my parents had to go to the doctors. We went along with them because they just didn't have that level of English that they needed to, well, I suppose two things, understand what was being said and also you know, if they had additional questions to ask. So, you know, we were working as interpreters to some degree or if not in the medical environment, just everyday shopping Mm. and asking Mm. for specific ingredients or something like that. So in, in a sense, we were sort of acting as um, teachers then, you know, getting around uh, the language and supporting uh, your own parents or extended family Mm. members like aunts and uncles Mm. and things like Mm. that. Yeah. So that's sort of thought, oh, well, this is really good. I think I'm okay with this. I'm supporting them. That whole experience of offering support and seeing how that support helps somebody else. 
you know. Definitely. So yeah. I guess that was sort of um, the starting point for me and I went into primary education to begin with and as I said the first five years that I was teaching were in a blur <laughs> <laughs> yes 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 <laughs> but you know that the, the classroom was made up mostly of um, refugee students yeah. from yeah. Vietnam and I guess just the way they reacted to everything and anything you did they were just so appreciative little steps you know for them were just huge milestones Mm, mm. because it's not true of all students, but sometimes some of these students didn't have the opportunity for Mm. education in their own country. Mm. And I know that, Mm. you know, we're talking about adults and many of the adults that we've worked with, that's true of them too. Mm. So, um, you know, they come into the classroom with such fears, Mm. really. Mm. Do I belong here? Am I going Mm, to cope, you know? And I guess that exact feeling, that's what adults have. Oh, absolutely. It doesn't matter what age you are. Mm. I mean, you know, even us, mm. there's mm. always that fear, that underlying fear when there's something new that new. you're entering. It's a new language. It's a new environment. Yes. It's mm. um, like you said, that support is mm. really important. Mm. Yeah. Really you important. don't want to be seen to be not capable. Um, exactly. In um, the classroom situation, there's a lot of sharing that takes place, you Absolutely. know. You have to respect, obviously, people who uh, perhaps don't want to join in an activity and, you know, Perhaps as an inexperienced teacher, you might say, well, come on, this is part of the experience or Mm. this is part of the activity. You've got to take place. Mm. But I guess the longer you are in teaching, you... You're aware of that cultural sensitivity. Mm. Yeah. 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 Mm. Well, I don't know if... Is it cultural? Is it... Perhaps along the lines of, you know, expectations of what learning is or how how learning Mm. is is, is Mm. delivered Um, and obviously that is cultural as well, um, as you said, Emma. Mm. But, you know, you mentioned before the adult learner. I mean, the adult learners coming to the classroom, obviously, you know, with fears, with expectations, but quite different to, say, a young child coming with a lifetime of experience in many Mm. cases and also juggling a number of things in their life, you know, whether it's family or work or um, previous learning experience Mm. that may or may not have been very positive. Mm, Um, Exactly. Children or young people can do that also, may come to classroom with that also, but I think there's, yeah, another complexity um, to the adult learner coming into the classroom, Mm, Yeah. yeah, and perhaps that's something where, Maybe we all here at this table, you know, gravitate towards in terms of, yeah, how we can relate to a learner and perhaps Mm. we gravitate more towards that adult learner. It's interesting because, you know, as you said, there are sort of different levels of expectations and experiences. So you may have some students, and now I'm talking about the adult literacy sector, where they have had some experience um, of education And it's interesting how I'm just recalling times when, you know, a particular student or group of students would, you know, not dare make a mistake or in their writing, for example, you know, or if they did, they would rub it out and um, and rewrite, which I I suppose at first I used to say, you know, don't worry about that. Mm. Don't worry. But I mean, I guess that's just part of their experience. They don't. Well, I don't know. What do you think that's all about? Oh, I definitely think that's about their experience of learning mm. and that perhaps, 
if you look at the different practices of teaching, you know, whether we're talking about in different countries or not or just in different classrooms, Mm. that exploration that we tend to teach with here in this country of exploring, revisiting, Mm. editing, all those kinds Mm. of practices that we have. I would imagine for some learners that's foreign to them. Yes. It's not new to them. Mm. And that part of reflective practice, looking back on, you know, as you said, cross that out, don't worry about that, move on, Mm. that's actually deemed to be really positive in our learning environment. And so perhaps not so in Mm. others, I'm not sure. Mm. Mm. And then you have the other extreme where they've had little or no educational Mm. experience and they have little understanding of what to expect in the classroom environment, I guess. And, you know, as teachers we all deliver our teaching, I guess, in different ways. Mm. So... Mm. Even that could be a bit of a struggle where, you know, one year they have a particular teacher and they might become familiar Familiar with that. Yeah, and then the following year that teacher has moved on or they go to a different level and they have a different teaching technique and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, they might restart again that whole, the students that is feeling a little bit at unease. Yeah. Because like any learner, I suppose, once you're in that group scenario and it takes you some time to become familiar with your peers, feel comfortable, expose some of your vulnerabilities amongst the group and then the year is over and what have you and it's time to move on to perhaps a new group. So, yeah, yeah, all that taken in mind. Mm. I think one of the distinct things for me, I mentioned this before with adult learners coming into the classroom with a whole range of responsibilities, let's say, but In my experience with adult learners, that real goal-setting intention to, for example, find work or to learn to read and write in English to assist their children, for example, they're just a couple of examples, but some of those motivators Mm. are so prevalent in their mind that it creates such pressure for them and they want that very quickly. Some learners want that to happen very quickly and it's really difficult to help learners understand that it's a process, process. that it takes time, probably a lot longer than they anticipate, Mm. Um, and that can be very, very frustrating Mm. for them, of course, Mm, you know. And added to that what Marcella said, change of environment, change of group, change Mm. of teacher, Mm. change of teaching practice, yeah, all adds to that. So Mm. I think, yeah, once again, I'm just distinguishing that adult learner and that environment to perhaps some of the backgrounds we started with, primary school, secondary school and so on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Can I ask both of you, what do you find rewarding in the adult literacy sector? Wow. Lots lots of things to keep us in the game for this long, I think. Mm. For me, look, I have to say teaching overall, I can't speak for all teachers, of course, but teaching is one of those professions where the rewards aren't immediate, mm. I don't think. What do you think, my child? The rewards aren't immediate. I guess it depends immediate. on, yeah. you know, the level or the, the students that you're teaching mm. because sometimes in the primary sector, for example, mm. where from day to day, you know, you can yeah. see, wow, you yeah. know, huge jumps. Wow, okay. You know, but okay. I guess, yeah, as students um, become older and also into the adult sector, maybe mm. some of those... I mean, rewards great and small. So, for example, you know, some of the rewards are just seeing and knowing that the learner is is showing up when they're having real difficulty in life and it's no small feat for them just to show up and show up regularly. 
and you get a real buzz out of that, a real kick out of that, yeah. you know. Mm. Um, and you understand that for many learners it's the social connection that is yes, the most absolutely. important thing in their life at that yeah. time yes. yeah, that's keeping them well and healthy and mm. keeping them connected to community and so on. That's right. And so that's part of a big reward, mm. you know. Because for a lot of them, you know, they may not have other connections at home. So, you mm, know, coming absolutely. to class, it's really not just about learning English. It's, as you're saying, Pat, mm. the social connection. Oh, yeah. Mm. yeah and, sure. uh, you know, that's where over period of mm. time you might see them developing their English and that mm. whole socialising and mm. uh, willing to have conversation, if not with you, the mm. teacher, yeah. you see them in their groups and, mm. you know, chatting and telling stories and having a good laugh. Mm. Um, some of the obvious, you know, rewards where there are obvious symbols or signs of that is where, you know, you have a learner move on from learning onto the next stage of yeah. their journey. Yeah. And teacher and the community that they've learnt in have supported that next step. They might move on to, say, the next level of their learning or they may move on to employment or even volunteering, mm. for example. And that's you get a huge buzz out of that. But also, of course, when they return and they pop in and, you know, they want Tell to share their thank yous yeah. in their lives. Yeah. You know, and you really, and that's a really obvious, that's yeah. a big milestone and it's a big mm. reward. That doesn't happen all the time. So mm. you wouldn't hang your hat on that. Mm. But I think it's what you mentioned much. It's a smaller every day yeah. because teaching yeah. is a really creative role yeah. and it's a really obviously a people-orientated role mm -hmm. and learning, I guess, for this type of practice that we practice is really student-centred. Mm. So it's the kind of job where, you know, at the end of the day, yeah, you are exhausted because, <laughs> because you've given your <laughs> oh, everything, you've, you've performed, your, oh, you've been, you know, energy, it's almost yeah. the same as a street performer. Yeah. But, um <laughs> Yeah, and so in that, I suppose part of that reward is probably because of some of those some of those traits that you have yourself that really you're able to express as a teacher. You know, the creativity, the support, yeah. learning something new from your students every day, oh, yes. yeah. learning something yes. from them every day. Mm. All of those little things keeping really you subtle, wanting you to stay in that mm. yeah, line of work. Things, yeah, and I sort of feel like in the adult sector, yes, you're teaching them, but you know, teachers are learning so much from their students oh, too. Oh, definitely, 100%. You yeah. know, you compare <laughs> strategies to uh, get your kids to do homework or something like that, you know, compare those sorts yes. of stories and, oh, what are you cooking for dinner tonight? And, yes. oh, that sounds really nice. Give me the recipe to that, <laughs> you know, because as we know, um, yeah. Students often bring in lots of food they from do. home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're so willing to share yeah, parts of themselves, yes. including food mm, and other yeah. cultural events and yeah. stories. And I think even when you as a teacher open yourself up as mm. well. Mm. Absolutely. I find that I get a lot of results just purely from that, from yes. sometimes if I can be vulnerable as well. Yes. It builds trust and Absolutely. it's almost like you can see them wanting to mm. do the work mm. for you and they're, yes. you know, yes. they can sense that the teacher's making that effort mm. for them. Yeah, mm. because that mm. trust, that trust mm. and that stability in the relationship, teacher-learner oh, relationship, yeah. particularly mm. because of the kinds of learners that we work with mm -hmm. have, um, you know, some fractured learning or they yes. may not have had some stability in their mm -hmm. learning. Building that stability and building that trust in itself is really most of the work itself oh, yeah. in the teaching, everything sort of builds off the back of that, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, definitely, you know? yes, yeah. As you were speaking, I was thinking about, and, you know, in the classroom situation, 
they have successes, mm, yeah. you know, and lots of successes. Mm, yeah. Mm. Well, we think that they're huge yeah, successes, well, but sometimes point. they don't. They don't see. They don't see It's that. interesting because even some of the students that you've interviewed yeah. in previous weeks, you yeah. know, I sort of sometimes sense that they still feel that the English is not good enough, you know, mm-hmm. but really compared to when they perhaps first came into the classroom and to the extent that they've gone on to, you know, work or mm. if not work, you know, community type mm. activities, yeah. volunteering. Oh, yeah. my goodness, such yeah, huge successes. Oh, so that's a really important point actually, Marcello, where the, the student or the learner themselves doesn't recognise mm. that success no matter how small or yeah. how great. And I think that's a big part of our role to help mm. them. Yeah identify and reflect on those mm. successes. Mm. And, sure. and, you know. and to be honest with you, that's one of the reasons why I, I wanted to uh, put this podcast through and have it get it up and running because mm-hmm. I wanted them to celebrate, to celebrate yeah, to and realise that they have mm. achieved so much mm. and, you know. Mm. And I think yeah. so the question was, you know, about what's rewarding, you know, as a teacher to see those yep. um, successes, I find too that students are so grateful and are very, very upfront in saying things to you. You know, thank you so much, teacher. Um, They really appreciate the lesson and if, you know, you'd had a fun activity, just seeing them laugh Mm. and, Mm. you know, learning a particular song Mm. and if they stumble over a particular, (laughs) the pronunciation (laughs) of a particular word, you can all have a laugh at that, you know. And Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so the successes and a gradual feeling of um, safety. Safety. Safety, yeah. 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 And I think for the adult learner and particularly the adult learner who may well be coming from perhaps this is a new country for them. Mm. Perhaps this is, you know, a whole new learning system for mm. them. Yeah, safety, mm. you know. Then that sort of extends to so once they sort of feel comfortable in that environment, you mm. know, from time to time you have students coming and asking about more personal things or oh, I suppose going back to that translation, you know, yeah. they might come with a particular form. Can you help me with this yes. teacher? You know, uh, what do I need to do? Mm. Where do I have to take this? So, Again, that's building up that mm. um, relationship. So mm. you become more than just their teacher mm. sometimes. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Can I just ask, uh, I think, Marcella, you mentioned events and things like that that we run within our organisations. Can you and Pat maybe talk more about particular things like Harmony Day or Biggest Morning Tea or what sort of benefits did you see from that in working within this industry? I guess the biggest one that I recall is the uh, biggest morning tea. And, you know, this is an opportunity for the whole school or your particular class, depending on how it's being organised to, you know, obviously it's about um, drinking tea and coffee and food, which is a big thing for Mm, everybody, I guess. Everyone can be involved in that. (laughs) Absolutely. But then to then talk about the whole Uh, reason behind that particular event Mm. and you know no matter who you are all people in some ways are touched by um, cancer in terms of uh, biggest morning tea yeah Yeah. um, common thread that you can find amongst your learners in the classroom Mm. yeah unfortunately unfortunately (laughs) yes Mm. yeah Mm. and I think too those kinds of days or events they're real, they're authentic, yeah. and they involve everybody. And I think they're 
a really tangible way of integrating learning mm-hmm. yep. um, into mm-hmm. those days. So um, I know we were talking sort of outside of this interview around project work and mm-hmm. so on yeah. from mm-hmm. Marcella and just looking at project work, for example, being one example of uh, ways which to dive into those topics mm. that, that allow the adult learner that mm. breadth of learning. Yeah. But also with these events come some authenticity, some yeah. realness, relevance. relevance, exactly right, yeah. relevance mm. to that individual's life mm. and therefore mm. their learning. So if you yeah. can find that relevance in your teaching practice, I think that's going to have the greatest impact on the learner and mm. you're going to have the greatest connection by the learner to their learning yeah. and, and, yep. and therefore success or not necessarily but definitely mm. yeah. you know, the opportunity for success there. Mm. No, yeah, they're great points. Thank you. Yeah, go on, my child. I was just going mm. to add that, yeah, you know, and you, you see um, students shine in various ways to them because depending on how it's organised in each learning environment, you know, you can even give students the responsibility to organise themselves into, you know, who's going to bring whatever, drinks or the cakes or sandwiches or whatever. And then, you know, they may even extend that into some sort of entertainment so they can uh, form a group where they will perform on the day uh, Mm. and something cultural. It's always fantastic to see. And you see them beaming, you know, when they're performing. They're so proud. Mm. And it's really a wonderful time. So on the one hand, as Pat's saying, you know, there's relevance in your teaching. It's also a great opportunity for, yeah, students to shine in a different mm. way. Yeah. Have fun. Yeah, and have fun <laughs> and eat. <laughs> no, uh, that's great. And thank you both so much. The conversation's been excellent. Thank you. I think we can just sit and talk for hours, Exactly. Can't we? we can just talk. <laughs> well, you two Which can. is the, the criteria, one, for being a teacher. Ex- exactly. <laughs> no. And I, can, I was going to no. say when, Marcella, when you said beaming, and I can see all of us as we're talking about adult literacy and adult mm. education and mm. students and we're beaming, I can yeah, see the joy and lit the, up. the yeah. love that's come out, yeah. you know, from us as we're talking about it. And in this series, I'm sort of trying also to ask students about freedom and what freedom means to them. I think it's demonstrated by learners all the time. But for me in my own life, I think it's about self-realisation. Mm. That That's where I think freedom comes from, a self-realisation. It's not a physical thing. It's not an environmental thing, although that's probably a starting point. You know, I'm not free if I don't have choice or I'm not free if I'm stuck in this place or in these yeah. four walls. But for me, freedom, you know, is about Self-realisation, knowing who you are, knowing what my strengths are, knowing myself intimately, and that gives me the power to be, act, live life in, in the freest way I know how. Yeah. And I see that in the learners as they're in classroom and learn more about themselves and, and understand that with that comes further choice or comes further empowerment. Mm. Yeah. So, Yeah. That that's what it feels like, and I you just—I think you just said the key word there, empowerment. Because mm. I know that that's something that I wrote down in the intro for this podcast in the first series. I I want them to be empowered. Mm. So mm. I, that's a really good point. Thank you, Pat. Mm. I can't really add anything to that because I was actually going to say, um, just you know, knowing who you are, which is mm. what you mm. just said. Yeah. I was going to say. Oh, I was going to say <laughs> that. <laughs> 
you know, it's a story of our careers. You so beautifully. Together. You are together. just stealing the words out of each other's mouths. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just knowing uh, yourself and getting the, having the opportunity to get to know yourself. That's all really I can say about freedom. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. No, thank you so much for being with me today mm, and yeah, for being for part of the podcast and part of Series 2. Yeah, a joy. Yeah. Thank you. And hopefully we'll see each other again soon. Definitely. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> ladies. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by What the English, the Adult Migrant Learner. Produced by Martin Franklin East Coast Studio. Please subscribe and share this podcast with your network.